of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. I can't help myself but to say thank you to the Altar Guild and the Flower Guild of Trinity. Um, I have always been told as a clergy person that there is one group you never want to upset at any church. It's not the vestry, it's not the choir, it's the altar guild. Always make sure that your altar guild is happy. And I must say that most of my foundation of knowledge of all the things we do in the Episcopal Church comes from the altar guild. When I was 12 years old, as an acolyte, one of the, several of the altar guild ladies of my home parish in Costa Rica called me into the sacristy and said, you are going to work with us, and we're going to teach you about the things that we do in the sacristy. So take care of your altar guild always. It is a pleasure to be here with you this morning. My name is Mauricio Wilson in some circles known as the Reverend Dr. Mauricio Wilson. But I was baptized Mauricio, and at my funeral, Mauricio is the name they're going to give me. So as long as you don't call me Bob, I am good. I am also the rector of St. Paul's Episcopal Church in Oakland, California, and the Western Regional Director of the Union of Black Episcopalians. And I want to say thank you for welcoming us to Trinity Parish. Um, over this weekend, we have had our annual regional gathering, and you have hosted us here in your church. And there are several members of our um, region who both live here in the, in the northeast area, and we have still here today one member from Arizona, and I think the members from Oakland and from L.A. have already left um, to go back home. And so thank you, Reverend Sabeth, for allowing us to be here and for inviting me to preach this morning. This morning's gospel offers enough material to preach a sermon that would keep us here through evening prayer. Believe me, I could preach that long, but I'm not going to. I've done it before, but I won't do it today. But before I go into the area, the particular piece of the gospel I want to focus on today, I want to take us back a few years in the life of the disciples of which the gospel speak of today. Just about three years or so prior 
to this event that the gospel speaks to us about, these same disciples, Peter and his brother in particular, were at the Sea of Galilee working. They were fishermen by trade. They were coming in from fishing with their father, and this man called Jesus was coming by, and he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4 says, and they left their nets and their father and the boats and followed him. This is the third time that Jesus has appeared to his disciples after the resurrection. And for the previous two or three weeks, they have been through the ringer of emotions. If you go back and look at everything they went through, and we start when Jesus takes Peter, John, and James, the sons of Zebedee, up to the mountain, and he's transfigured before their eyes. And Elijah and Moses appear with Jesus, where Peter says to Jesus, Lord, let us make three dwelling places, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. And they hear the voice from heaven, this is my son, my beloved, listen to him. They don't stay in the mountain. They come down and they begin the final pilgrimage to Jerusalem. And as they're going towards Jerusalem, at one of these places where they stop, Jesus tells his disciples, go to the next town, find a donkey that is tied, a colt, bring him. And when they bring it, they lay their cloaks on top of, of the of the animal, Jesus sits on top of it, and as he's going through, the people of the town are putting their cloaks on the floor and uses branches of palm and hailing, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David. They enter Jerusalem. Jesus invites them to have supper with them. And as they're celebrating supper, Jesus gives them some bread and said, this is my body, which is going to be laid down for you. Every time you eat it, do it in memory of me. He passes around a cup of wine and says, drink this. It is my blood, which will be shed for you. Every time you drink this cup, do it in memory of me. And the story says that while they were at dinner, he, he takes off his outer garment, puts a towel around his waist, and goes around and washes their feet. And Jesus said, Peter says, no, no, Lord, you cannot wash my feet. And Jesus says, no, if I don't wash your feet, you cannot have a part with me. Peter's going through a lot of emotions. And then Jesus says, all of you are going to abandon me. And Peter says, no, Lord, I will never abandon you. He says, yeah, okay. Before the cock crows three times tomorrow morning, you will have denied me three times. 
next day, not only do they experience the denial and abandonment of Jesus, but they see him from afar, hanging on the cross, and dying. Then they are called, three days later, by the women who witnessed the presence of Jesus alive again. Come, come, the Lord is risen. And he appears to them in the upper room and offers them peace and the Holy Spirit and bread. It has been an exhausting few weeks, if not physically, emotionally. And it is at that moment when they're there after experiencing all of this that Peter says, I am going fishing. Imagine, think about it. If you had been through all of that, at some point you say, I need a little bit of normalcy in my life. I need something that is stress-free. I need to do something that is easy for me. And for Peter, who did fishing for a living, getting into a boat and going out was the best thing he could think of. I am going fishing. And his companions say, we're coming with you. And they get in the boat and they go out. They spend the entire night, they catch nothing. They come back in, and they see this guy on the shore. And he says, have you no fish? No. Okay, cast your net on the other side of the boat. Honest to God, if that was me and I had spent the whole night trying to catch something and I hadn't caught anything, I'd be like, I'm sorry, I'm done. <laughs> you know, I am going home and I'm done for today. But something told them to follow the instructions of this person, and they threw their nets to the right side. And now there were so many fish that they could barely haul in the catch. And at that moment, they recognized that the guy who was on the shore was once again Jesus in the flesh, presenting himself to them. As usual, Peter is so excited that he leaves his friends who are trying to haul in the catch and goes out to greet Jesus. Until Jesus says to them, bring some fish so we can have breakfast. I love that part. You know, I don't know if you've ever had fresh fish for breakfast. It is awesome. It is, it is, you know, you go to the beach, get some fish and go and cook it and eat it for breakfast. Ooh, with some good fresh bread and some coffee. Oh, delicious. But he says to them, cast your net on the other side. And they get more than they could ever imagine catching throughout the whole night. We are coming out of a season of pandemic. And even before the season of pandemic, I have heard more than my desired share of times that the church is dying. I am here to tell you, my beloved, 
the church is not dying. The church is alive and well. The body of Christ is alive. It lives. We are people of resurrection, not of death. There's no death in the body of Christ. There's only life. Yes, maybe the numbers of people who come into our buildings are diminishing, but the church, the body of Christ, it lives. The question that we have to ask ourselves, I believe, is are we casting the net where the Holy Spirit is telling us that the big amount of fish are located? Do you know the definition of insanity, right? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result? The question I think we need to ask ourselves as we discern the future path of our church is, are we following the Holy Spirit's guidance when it comes to the casting of our nets? Or are we just so comfortable casting the net in the same place we always have that we become hopeless and desperate because our nets continue to come up empty? Where is the Holy Spirit calling us to cast our nets today? For Ananias, the casting of the net to the different side was the call to go visit this guy, Paul who he had heard of as one who was persecuting the church in Jerusalem ruthlessly. He was sent by the Lord to go visit him, to lay his hands upon him, and to heal him. To this guy, Paul, the casting the net to the other side came as a blinding vision that changed him, transformed him from one who was persecuting the church to one who was now proclaiming that Jesus Christ was the Lord and then was willing to go against the current and fight what the disciples, the original disciples were saying, that the gospel was only for the Jews. And he said, no, the vision that I received was that the gospel needed to be preached particularly to the Gentiles. For Peter, the casting of the net to the other side was when he had that vision of the blanket coming down from heaven with beasts of all kinds and the voice of the Lord saying, do not call anything I have created unclean. And when he says, I have now come to realize that nothing that God has made is unclean. For our church, so many times in the past we have been called to recognize that we have been invited to cast our nets differently. The history of our church is that we started out in England as the church of the crown. 
even to this day, the Church of England is still officially ruled with the head being the queen. After the American Revolution, the church in the United States, the Episcopal Church, became the church of the establishment. The writers of the Constitution, at least part of them, were Episcopalians. And if you study our Constitution and canons and the structures of our church, you will notice that they're very similar to the, to the structures and rules of the government of the United States and of all our states because they were kind of written side by side. The Constitution was written with you know, grape juice and water. Our Constitution and canons were written with sherry and wine at night. For so long, our Episcopal Church for almost 200 years plus has been known as the church of the establishment of the upper and middle Caucasian class. And the reality is that if we continue to only cast the net towards that side, we are indeed not going to have more people coming into our doors and sitting in our pews. I cannot give you the exact answer as to which side, what it means to cast your nets on the other side for your particular community. But it is imperative that each of our congregations, each of our communities take the time to discern what the Holy Spirit of God is calling us to. Yesterday, Canon Carla Robinson gave us, um, you know, shared with us some of her knowledge. And she was speaking about moments of disruption and the recognition that this pandemic has been a moment of significant disruption. And we can choose to just simply ignore the opportunity of this disruption and just try to go back to normal as we were before. Or we can take this opportunity to do some serious discerning of how the Spirit is calling us to a different normal than what we were looking at two years ago. We have so many opportunities ahead of us to do the kind of work that is disrupted to the status quo but will be acceptable in the creation of a new status quo. I acknowledge and I have always acknowledged that human communities seek homogeneity but disruption allows us to create a new vision of homogeneity. We disrupt, and then we come back together. We disrupt as we need to break old customs that no longer serve us well, so that we can create new ones that create new communities, new possibilities for growth and for life. Because indeed, my beloved, the body of Christ is alive and well. The question is, do we want to be a reflection of that life and that wellness? Or are we just comfortable enough not worrying about the work that needs to be done 
to be true representatives of the kingdom of God in our communities. It is hard work. It is challenging. And as the gospel says towards the end, when Jesus says to Peter, when you're a boy, you can go about doing whatever you want to. But as you get older, others put belts around your waist and guide you to places you don't want to go to. And he said this to signify the kind of death that they were going to die. But at the end, he still says to him, follow me. The experience of Peter when he first met Jesus was follow me and I will teach you how to fish for people. And now here he is again at a boat at the seashore and Jesus tells him once again, follow me. We are invited, my beloved, to follow Jesus in a way that leads to life, in a way that leads to freshness, in a way that leads to renewal, in a way that leads to eternal life. I pray that the Holy Spirit will inspire each and every one of us to listen attentively to the voice of the Spirit, calling us and inviting us to disrupt, to transform, to grow, and to live. May the ministries of our churches, not only here in this area, but throughout the world, find themselves flourishing because we're willing to live with the the uncomfortable realities of disruption that are going to make the life of the church vital, growing, alive. Indeed, my beloved, the body of Christ is alive and well. Let's make it a show of force by being, each of us, a living and breathing example of what it means to be Christ's people walking in the world today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, give thanks to the risen Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, give praise to his name. Jesus is